0: Hi, Stephanie here. I am an entrepreneur, lobbyist, wife, mother, book lover, and political junkie. I think gender equality is still a work in progress in our homes, our workplaces, and our politics. And I love to learn, especially from other women. So I started Women Don't Do That, a podcast and blog to talk about issues women care about today and to inspire us to do whatever it is we think we can't do. Priya Sam is a former national news anchor and morning show host. I remember seeing her in my living room, and some of you may recognize her too. Now she hosts a podcast called The Turning Point. It's an innovative podcast and web series, and in each episode, she interviews a guest about a major turning point in her life. Priya has also worked in technology, is a consultant, and a keynote speaker. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, Priya. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I like to kick things off by asking people, what does life look like for you right now?
1: Yeah. So I'm working from home. Um, I, uh, kind of have my day job and then I have all my entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, so it's really nice now during the pandemic, I was living in a really small one plus den with my husband. Um, and then we moved, uh, during the pandemic into like a three-story row house. So now I have my own space, so I'm not, you know working at the kitchen table and like moving my stuff to eat dinner. Um, And it feels a lot more, um, it feels a lot easier to just stay focused now. So I live in Toronto, um, in the East End, kind of a quiet street, but not too far from the busy busyness, which is perfect for me.
0: Oh, nice. It's, it's, it does really make a difference, especially when you're on an entrepreneurial journey to like have your own space. Last night, my daughter, she's nine and I was tucking her in and she's like, we should get rid of your office and have like a bedroom for guests because she she has to move out because her grandmother's coming. And I was like, that's a hard no. She's like, you could go to the basement. I was like, I am in there all day. Like, I'm not going to the basement.
1: Yeah, I totally feel that. And you need that space for creativity, I find. you know, I felt like I kept hitting these walls um, in our previous place literally and figuratively. Um, and yes. having the actual space for uh, to be creative made such a big difference.
0: It is. and I know you know, it's not something everybody who works from home has, but if, if you can swing it somehow, it really does make a big difference. What motivates you to live your best life?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and I think the things that motivate me to work hard are spending more time with my friends and family, uh, definitely traveling and adventuring. Um, I love like good food and, you know, concerts, musicals. So I think when I think about, you know, why do I work? It's to (laughs) be able to do those things. Um, But I think at work, what motivates me is um, really being able to elevate the voices of underrepresented groups. and to share our stories with the goal of helping people to feel less alone in their own experiences.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. That's something I think about often with my podcast too, right? Is that so people don't feel alone because so many people are going through so many different challenges. And even if it's not the same as yours, there's often something to be learned to apply to your own experiences anyways. And it's pretty magical when that happens.
1: I agree. I think that everyone has some experience or a part of their life that someone else can learn from. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And the times we feel most alone are often those hard times uh, in our lives when when we need someone um, who has gone through something similar and maybe is on the other side so we can have that sense of hope to get through it.
0: Yes, yes, for sure. That definitely helps when you can see somebody a few few steps ahead, there's like a path or something to help you get there. Can you walk us through, as we get to know more about you and your story, you know, where you started career, your career, what you're doing today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started my journalism career in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I um, actually had, before that, I was teaching English in South Korea, um, and I was ready to come back and kind of get back into journalism. I'd done my undergrad in, in journalism and then, you know, gone on this, this little detour to teach English. Um, So I came back, moved to Halifax to do my master's. And while I was there, I started working at um, the local CTV station there. And I worked behind the scenes as a newsroom assistant. Um, So I was answering phones, rolling the teleprompter, printing scripts for the anchors. And it was really, that was my introduction to to television. So I um, started behind the scenes and then um, on my days off, I'd come in, shadow the reporters. I'd put together my own version of their stories and like kind of ask whoever was willing to give me a few minutes, any of the producers to take a look at it, give me some feedback and then kind of keep working on it. And then eventually they offered me the opportunity to fill in for one of the reporters who was uh, on vacation for a week. So that was kind of my sink or swim opportunity. Um, And thankfully it went very well. And um, that's how I started filling in after that on air.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So you were in Halifax for a few years and then you move on to Toronto. Can
1: you talk about that change? Yeah. So, um, after filling in for a little while, eventually I got my first full-time job in Halifax. It was on the local morning show and I became one of four co-hosts and um, also the news anchor on that show. And then I also produced and anchored the News at Noon, which was a 30 minute um, news show. So I um, I was doing that for a few years. And then eventually in 2017, in the winter, I was asked to come to Toronto and fill in on uh, CTV's national morning show called Your Morning. And I came for three days. And it was incredible. Um, and then I went back to Halifax and I was kind of like, you know, okay, now what? I just had (laughs) this amazing experience. I'm kind of like riding this wave. Um, and I made some great connections. Um, and I was really wanting to move to Toronto. My family is nearby. Um, and you know, I, for the media market in, in Canada, um, you know, kind of it's, it's the place to be right. There's the most opportunity here. So about, Six weeks later, I was watching the show that I had filled in on, the National Morning Show, and I saw that the host I had filled in for announced that she was pregnant and um, she would be going on mat leave soon. So uh, I applied for the position. It was a one-year role. um, And then I got the job. So um, I moved to Toronto after that and spent a year uh, filling in for her on the national morning show. And um, that was, uh, you know, and um, career-wise an incredible experience. And um, after that, I went to global for a few months. And then after that, I actually transitioned into tech, um, which is where I work now. And then uh, during the pandemic uh, in 2018 is when my entrepreneurial uh, endeavors sort of took off.
0: A fascinating uh, experience and, and story that you've had. I remember watching you when you were on your, your morning on, on the TV, and uh, what, just what a f- phenomenal experience to be able to have. But I also know it was really challenging, and we're going to talk about that side of journalism and, and your experience doing that as well. Do you ever miss it? Do you ever miss journalism?
1: I do. I miss, um, I think, I mean, I really miss the storytelling. I felt so lucky to meet so many, um, just incredible people and, Mm -hmm. you know, having a platform like that, you really get to, um, elevate and amplify stories that people might might not hear about otherwise. So that was one of the reasons I started my podcast too was because I was really missing that. Um there were things about it I didn't love, you know, in my um last role I was um basically at a crime scene every morning mm-hmm. and I didn't love um that aspect of the job and and you know as you mentioned there were there were certainly other challenges behind the scenes as well. Um, but when it came to the work itself, that's what I really missed was, um, was kind of the people stories that I got to share.
0: Right. And yeah, definitely. We'll jump into that in terms of the podcast and how you're continuing with that. Cause it, it's like you found a way to keep some of the parts that you love and also to have ownership of it, which is really amazing. Absolutely, I want, one of the things that stuck out to me, I was following you on Instagram. So I've been following a bit of your, your entrepreneurial journey and, Uh, I saw you do a post about your exit from journalism and some of the racism and discrimination that you faced. And I was like, I have to have her on. I think I I DM'd you like right away. I was like, you need to come on my podcast. Like you said, because so many people experience things like this and it's important for other people to know about these stories and and that they're not alone. And also for the rest of us to change and, and be and do better. So can you talk about that experience?
1: Yeah. I think this really started for me um, when I was in Halifax and I don't know that I knew what was happening at the time. You know, I think a lot of it really hit me later on. So um, a couple of examples that come to mind, you know, I would um, ask, for example, I remember this one day we um, had this story I was reading on the news about a car accident and we had mentioned the race of the person who was involved um, and there was just no reason for it. It wasn't, you know, someone, they were a suspect they were looking for. It was just kind of in the story. And so I just asked the person who wrote the story, who was one of the producers who would have been above me, um, you know, in, in terms of authority. Um, You know, why are we mentioning this person's race in the story? It doesn't seem relevant here. And I basically got, you know, an eye roll. And, uh, oh, you're so sensitive about these topics. And I just, you know, first of all, was kind of taken aback. But second of all, it made me feel like I shouldn't have brought that up. And then nobody around me there were other people who heard this conversation like no one around me said anything so I felt a little bit embarrassed and then also like oh you know am I wrong maybe I maybe I am being sensitive and so I kind of just went back to doing what I was doing and you know after a few of those situations happened um it certainly wasn't an isolated situation you know things like that would happen fairly regularly I just stopped speaking up and um it really took a toll on my confidence. You know, I feel like uh, over time it was kind of this like chipping away. It's like that, you know, one paper cut, you're okay. You know, ten, you're you're okay, and then you know after a thousand, you're kind of like, whoa, like what's happening here? You know, I'm I feel like I'm, like losing all of the things that sustain me here. And so, um, so that's what it was for me was, you know, aside from the more overt experiences with racism where, you know, I would pitch a story about um, an underrepresented group of people and someone would say, I don't think our audience cares about that. You know, there were certainly things like that, that were more overt, but I think those smaller microaggressions are really what started to take a toll on me and the lack Mm -hmm. of allyship that, that I had.
0: Mm -hmm. Did you also find, Priya, I know lately there's been a lot of conversation about online hate and people saying and doing terrible things to journalists in Canada. Was that something that you experienced as well?
1: You know, I didn't experience that to the extent that I feel like people are experiencing it now. Like A lot of um, women of color who are journalists are are posting these horrifying emails and social media messages that they're getting. Um, you know, they're... I I definitely think that is something that has really escalated in um, in the last few years. I remember getting some unkind messages, but um, they were mostly appearance related and, um, you know, what I was wearing or my makeup, those kinds of things, um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is not not nice, but nothing like um, these like hateful tirades that uh, that a lot of those journalists are getting now.
0: Yes, it's uh, it's. None of it's okay. <laughs> what you experience with what, what they experienced, and um, it's there's a lot going on in journal, journalism today, right right now, and and certainly um, in Canada. So was that part of your story about why you transitioned into tech?
1: Yes, it was. Um, you know, I think when I moved to Toronto, I thought everything would just be better. I'm moving to a more diverse mm-hmm. city, a bigger city, a different market. And I think the issues I experienced here were different and maybe more, um, they, they definitely were still rooted in racism. Um, but I think it's when I really realized the problems in leadership, um, which I think is something we've also seen recently with um, what's happened at Bell Media, which owns CTV, you know, um, with regards to what happened to Lisa Laflamme. Yes. Um, and yeah, the responses from from leadership there, there's just this really deep-rooted, acceptance of discrimination and bullying practices in bell media stations and you know I've had since that happened with Lisa Laflamme and I started posting about it quite vocally on my own social media I received so many messages from people who were either current or former CTV employees who had experiences with racism discrimination bullying sexism These, these are just common themes they're not rare experiences and for me i I eventually felt like, you know what, I even though I love the actual work, the toll this is taking on my mental health is not sustainable and I need to leave. And so um, when I found a job in tech, all I wanted was to work somewhere where I was treated well and I felt valued. I didn't worry. I wasn't as worried about what I was doing, I guess, you know, obviously I, I wanted to do work that I would still enjoy, but I, I kind of had accepted that I might not get the same satisfaction that I, I got in journalism. Right. Um, and then, yeah, I, I felt like, let me just try that and see if I can rebuild my self-esteem and and my confidence and maybe get some objectivity. And if I really miss it, I'll go back. Yes, um,
0: but to give and- yourself some distance.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, so that's what I did. And I think once I entered a new work environment where I was respected and I was treated well, <laughs> I I honestly, I, I still remember my first week, somebody came over and was like, oh, how are you? You know, how's everything going? And I was like, good. And they were like, oh, like, you, tell me more. And I just, I realized, like, I'm waiting for this person to, like, yell at me bark an order at me, tell me I did something wrong. And no, this person <laughs> actually just wants to know yes. about my day and and hear how genuinely wants to hear how I'm doing. And um <laughs> so I had all of these really interesting realizations once I entered, you know, yeah, a, to, to even realize
0: how 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 deep some of those issues really were. I'm so sorry that that happened to you.
1: Yeah, okay. you know <laughs> I am too. I mean in some ways I feel like it's helped me appreciate other things more and and now I'm in a place where I can speak out about it. I mean for a long time I couldn't even talk about it because it was just so upsetting to me and emotional and um I I had always had this fear initially of people not believing what I, what I said, or believing my experiences. And so thankfully, you know, I'm in a much better place now where I've gotten past that. And I feel like I can use some of those experiences to um, help other people, like help mm-hmm. journalists who might go through, be going through what I went through, but also to help other people, you know, kind of like what you said at the beginning, just to understand what these experiences are like and the, what mm-hmm. the impact they can have.
0: What do you think, like, how do we make that change when it's, and it's so hard i think because it's systemic it's at the leadership level um like how, how do we move past some of these issues in canada
1: yeah it's a really important question to be asking at this time i think you know i think on a um on a level of what can every everyday people do i yeah. think um i think allyship is what I think about that would have helped me and and did help me in some moments. So um, there was this one example I can think of where I was, um, I had done this story um, about um, a black community in Nova Scotia, it was, you know, an investigative story that um, had uh, received a lot of attention locally in Halifax. um, And uh, several people had said, you know, this is one of the best pieces of journalism the station has done this year. So when it came time to submit it for awards, I was very confident that this will be submitted. Um, and it just wasn't on the list. So I decided to ask about it. And, you know, I was kind of told how oh, there were other things that were better. And I felt very strongly that this is something that should be submitted. So anyway, I thankfully I did have someone in the newsroom who's in a leadership role who stood up for me and agreed with me. And, you know, kind of took that took that on with me and, and also for me in some ways and, and had some conversations that um, and maybe at a level that I, I wasn't able to. And in that situation, having that allyship made the difference. I mean the outcome wasn't necessarily um, what I wanted it to be, but for me, knowing somebody else felt the same way, believed in what I was doing enough to stand up with me, that made the difference for my confidence. So even though maybe, you know, the submission didn't end up being what I wanted it to be. Um, I knew then that I guess I didn't go to that place where like, Oh, maybe I'm wrong or maybe I'm, you know, being too sensitive or, you know, all of those things. So, um, I think that allyship can make a big difference. You know, if you hear someone stand up for something and you can even just, if you can't stand up with them, because that's not always possible depending on, you know, power dynamics, but even to go to them after and say, like hey, I hear you, know, you I, right? Like- yes, exactly. I hear you. I, I feel the same way as you do. And, or, you know, and sometimes asking questions helps like, oh, I, I didn't know much about that. Like, can you tell me more? You know, those kinds of things make all the difference. I think just showing someone you can care, but I think when there is an opportunity to stand with someone and stand up for someone, mm-hmm. um, it goes a long way.
0: Yes. I think that's so important and, and really helpful for us to think kind of individually and, and what we can each do and when I think about CTV and some of those bigger problems too, I mean, I think at the end of the day, there there needs to be a lot of um, staff changes in particular, right? Like the, there needs to be some really big things happening. Priya, can you really briefly, just because a lot of our listeners are American, um, explain what happened with, when you mentioned Lisa?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, So Lisa Laflamme was the anchor of um, the most watched uh, news show in Canada. Um, So you can kind of think of her as like a Katie Couric. Um, She um, was so well respected, certainly um, a, a, a person who no one questioned why she had the top job. You know, Mm -hmm. she had gone to all kinds of war zones. She reported on stories of where a lot of male reporters would have felt uncomfortable. So she was very well-respected, a role model for um, for so many women and girls. Mm -hmm. And over, uh, during the pandemic, um, she, uh, her hair, she used to dye her hair brown. She let it grow out. Um, She had this beautiful gray bob. Um, And it was actually a topic of of conversation because a lot of people, of course, um, stopped dyeing their hair during the pandemic. And, you know, so she kind of became um, this icon in in another way. Mm -hmm. Um, So earlier this year, um, she was suddenly let go um, from CTV and she posted a video explaining that this was not her choice. Uh, that CTV um, had blindsided her and um, and had told her it was a business decision, and there was so much outrage. Um, especially later when um, the man who um, everyone now knows, you know, actually handled the firing, his name is Michael Melling, um, and there were several reports that um, earlier he had questioned who had let her uh, let her hair go gray, and um, and had commented on how her gray hair looked on television. So this really spiraled into people questioning leadership there, and time and time again, the leadership at higher and higher levels just continued to defend this decision to fire her without it's bad ever
0: bad PR moves. I kept thinking, yeah. like, as a you know comms government relations person, I'm like, you're supposed to be a news agency. Like, what are you doing?
1: Yes. This is
0: like PR 101, this is terrible.
1: <laughs> yes. And I think the the higher the level of executive that defended the decision without um, without giving a reason, um, really showed how deep seated the problems at Bell are. Right. You know, um, and I think for for context too, I mean, Bell Media, which owns CTV is part of Bell Canada, which is a large telecom company in Canada. And so, um, you know, one of the things I thought initially was the Bell's board of directors, surely they're going to get involved. This looks so bad. Um, but what you kind of come to realize is the profits from Bell Media are such a small part of the company and don't impact their share prices. And I think that's what it would have taken for, um, there to actually be some, action at the corporate level, really sad in this day and age that you know, calling them out and exposing all of this discrimination, which was, there have been so many articles about now, just yes. wasn't
0: enough. And and I think journalists did a really good job of keeping the story alive about trying not to let it get um, like buried right? And uh, it it really did raise such a fundamental question. She, um, and obviously this is not about the way that she looks, but in case anybody's wondering, she is stunning and she's stunning with brown hair and she's stunning with gray hair. Like there's no question about that. Um, yeah, it is, it is mind blowing. And uh, I did see you speak out when it happened and talk about, you know, the people that were coming to you and, and sharing stories. Um, I've met Lisa through work and she's the fun, like such an amazing person. It's, it's, uh, yeah, not, not good good it's been interesting with the queen's funeral because she's been covering it and so many people have just been like pouring out their love she's working for another um, news agency doing that role and people have really liked seeing her
1: on their screens again yeah you know she's been a news anchor she's been at ctv for 35 years and i think she's guided canadians through so many difficult situations um you know the pandemic of course uh being being a big one um And the war in Ukraine as well, and yes, she's she's the voice that uh, a lot of people who are you know experiencing the pain of of the queen dying, for example, um, that's the person they look for and they look to to guide them through this.
0: Yes, and also I think for context for people like in Canada, like we before Lisa and kind of more of the generation that we're seeing now in news, there was a lot of old white men, and they were in their roles till like late in their age. And some of them had, you know, long terms to say goodbye to their audience. And they were feted as they left. And none of those things happened for her. So there seemed to be a lot of sexism and different things, you know, behind behind it, regardless of what the official line is. I think a lot of us were, yeah, questioning what's going on. I want to jump in more to what you're doing now. Is that okay? We can move on to that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We've, we've, we've solved the journalism problem. So I'm just kidding. (laughs) So much going on in the world. Um, I want to talk about what you're up to now. So you've got your day job, but you're also doing some entrepreneurial
1: stuff. So talk to us about you're up to. Yeah, absolutely. So on the entrepreneurial front, I started my podcast turning point during the pandemic and. Honestly, I just wanted to do it. I wasn't really thinking about, is this an entrepreneurial venture? You know, I just was missing journalism. I the stories I love telling the most were about people who had major turning points and, you know, whether they stem from taking a leap of faith or overcoming an obstacle or tragedy, um, but they, you know, went on to do something that was a sort of inspiring or life-changing. And so um, that's why I called my podcast Turning Point. I just started doing it in my living room. Um and then eventually I started to realize like what I'm really doing through my podcast is helping people share their stories you know I'm guiding them as an interviewer but maybe I can do that in another way. So what I'm doing now is working with um, executives. Uh, I'm working with keynote speakers um, who are sharing their personal story. So um, I'm kind of doing everything from, sometimes someone will have an existing keynote. They just want some help finessing it, refining it, you know, making their story a little more clear. I'm helping with that. I'm also working with people who are starting from scratch. You know, they they are creating a keynote. So basically I start by, by interviewing them. <laughs> help them pick out the main themes and then create this presentation from scratch. And then also people who are looking for, um, how to better tell their story on social media or, um, or on their websites. So it's really interesting how it evolved. I never really saw myself, um, doing all of this, but I'm really loving uh, every minute of it. And I think the best part for me is just the impact I know, um, it's having.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's, uh you never know what those experiences are like until you jump into them, right? And then you can see how much, like you're smiling now talking about it in a different way than you were earlier in the interview, right? Like you are passionate about it um, and you can see that that side coming through. And sometimes it, I know for me, sometimes when I do podcast stuff, it doesn't always even feel like work, right? Because you do enjoy it. And and I don't know about you, but one of the things I love about the podcast is like, you don't have people now telling you, you can't ask certain questions. You can't interview certain people. And that's part of what I love. I can interview whoever I want, ask about whatever I want. I can let my curiosity guide me about, you know, oh, I suffer from migraines. A lot of women do, maybe I'll do a podcast on that. So that's pretty special.
1: It is. You're right. And you know, one of the things I really had to get past, um, was, um, in journalism training, like in school, they teach you, you should never be the story. You should never be the subject of the story. And so yeah. for the first part of my tur- uh, my uh, podcast, I didn't share my story. I didn't talk about myself much at all. And I, so many people were asking me about it, you know, like, and the reason I started it too, came from my own turning point. So it felt strange not to share it, but also I had to get over this obstacle of not talking about myself, the way I had been trained. right? Um, so yeah, you're right. There's a lot of, um, uh, of power in having your own platform and really being able to do things your own way.
0: Yes. So if people are interested in some of your services, I'll put your contact information in the show notes so people can check out how to be in touch with Priya. Can you maybe share like what's one of the podcast episodes that you've loved that maybe you can encourage people to take a listen to
1: yeah. Well, I, um, my first guest was Marcy Ean, who I know you've had on your podcast as well. Um, and I loved hearing her story of kind of pivoting from journalism to politics. That was a great one. I also have, um, an episode with her, her name is Dr. Oriwa and she, um, was the only black student in her med school class. This was not that long ago, you know, mm-hmm. a few short years ago. And um, she helped uh, by sharing her story. She helped the program or the uh, school, U of T, um, as they encouraged more Black students to apply through their Black student applicant program. Um, I think last year there were 24 uh, Black students in the first year class. Amazing. Um, yeah, she's incredible. And um, Mattel made a Barbie after her. Like, so I interviewed her. Um, and she's actually one of the clients I'm working with on a keynote as well. So I, I found her story incredibly inspiring as well
0: do you find like, I think sometimes for some women telling their stories or or stepping out and doing that would be really challenging. What advice would
1: you give to them to kind of encourage them to step forward? I think what helped me was starting small. I just started a lot of what I experienced. I didn't even tell the people closest to me because I worried they wouldn't understand. So I really started with telling my family and and telling my friends. And that's when I, you know, some of them started to say, you know, you should share this more widely. Other people might learn something from this, or, you know, might, it might help people who have felt the same way as you. And that's when I really started to feel like maybe I should share this a little more widely. So it definitely was baby steps. It took me, you know, almost two years before I said anything publicly on, on social media or on my own podcast. Right. Um, so I think start small would be my biggest piece of advice and and just get comfortable because. Um, the first few times I shared about it was really emotionally exhausting for me yes. after too. I could see that.
0: Yeah, it is certainly getting out of your comfort zone is is scary. It's tiring. And what your part of your story, your turning point is also very traumatic, right? So it's, um, it wasn't like you did something scary where you just quit a job and, and took on something new. There, there was a lot more involved with it too. And I think that that changes your experience and and also your ability to talk to it. Do you, did you find now with what happened with Lisa and so much more coming out about uh, what's happening with journalism journalists in Canada, like we talked about earlier, ha- has that helped you come up with your own story?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think this um, made me realize how much more comfortable I've become sharing it. And, you know, I'm in a position now where I don't have anything to lose. You know, when if I still worked in the industry, I I would not be speaking out. I'd be worried about losing my job, about if I was going to get hired again. And that's the position most journalists are in right now. The ones who've had these experiences, they can't speak out because, you um, they won't get another job they could lose the job they have and um so yeah i think i felt really empowered in this last situation and like i could be a voice for people who who can't um who can't speak out so um, yeah. And it, you know, it certainly hit a nerve too, because I think sexism was also a part of what I experienced too. Mm-hmm. So just seeing that happen to, and I, there, there was something about Lisa's story too, that I think resonated around the world, quite frankly, because there was something so personal about a woman with all of this experience, just getting fired, like she was nothing, you know, yes. um, And I think it was destabilizing for a lot of people. I I
0: don't know for younger journalists that are women, like if that can happen to her, like, I just, it's, I, I wouldn't want to work in that industry anymore either. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's so disheartening, especially when, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about how far women have come, um, a situation yes. like this just makes you feel like we took 10 steps backwards.
0: Yes. That's why both of our podcasts are so important because there's really is so much work left to be done. Do you see yourself stepping more and more into your own business?
1: I do. You know, I've started doing some keynote speaking of my own, um, which, uh, again, something I didn't really think about doing. And I think I like, I really enjoy it. I think there's so uh, much power in being able to share these experiences more widely. So yeah, I, I mean, I think I just see it continuing to grow and evolve. I would love to write a book eventually, but yeah, I, I I'm trying to stay open. I think too, cause I, I feel like I don't know what else is out there right. or the opportunities that will come. But yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Oh,
0: that's exciting. Well, I would encourage people to definitely follow you on social, especially if they're interested in in speaking. And I was I follow you on Instagram, but I did check it right before. And I was like, oh, I was like taking notes. I'm like, oh, that's a good thing to think about. Or, you know, if you're interested in in speaking or podcasting or anything, people should definitely be following you. Thank you so much for for being here. It's been great to chat with you and, and about your journey and your own turning points. I want to jump into some rapid fire questions before we close off. What is one piece of advice you want to leave with listeners?
1: You have a story that can help others. You just need to figure out what it is. Oh, that's so important.
0: What is the best rule you ever broke?
1: Um, I think the journalism rule of not uh, being the subject of your own story. I really had to get past that when I started sharing my own story, but it's the best decision I ever made. (laughs)
0: it's so important too because not only is sharing the story that you had to share important because it's such an important story but even podcasting like so many times the best interviews are in a discussion right and so you really do you have to step out of that zone it's really absolutely yeah can you name another woman that inspires you
1: Mm, I think Marciene is a good one um a Selena, Cesar, Siobhan. Um, You know, I, ra- I'm really inspired by like Michelle Obama. I love Oprah. I, I'll say those are like some of my top people right now. <laughs> I love that. Is there a podcast you're loving right now? So I listen to a lot of podcasts. I would say The Daily and Front Burner are my like news podcasts. And I really like some of the content that Canada Land puts out as well.
0: Okay. Those are great. I, I also listen to a lot, a lot of podcasts. I think it's funny that like podcasters like absorb so much of other people's content. Um, That's true. But honestly, some days I just listen to so many.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. I agree.
0: Yeah. Tell us about a book that made you wiser.
1: I really loved Becoming uh, by Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. And um, another personal favorite is uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth. Okay.
0: Well, thank you so much. There's so much uh, that people can connect with through through your story. And Also be inspired to take action as an ally. I think that's really important. And uh, just to be encouraged about those turning points because they can be scary and challenging. But when you can see people doing them and living their best life and you can tell that you love it, it's really encouraging for people.
1: Yeah, I agree. Thanks so much for having me, Stephanie. And for the stories that you share on your platform, I, I really think it's important. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to Women Don't Do That. I hope you feel inspired to do whatever it is you think you can't do. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Stay connected on Twitter and Instagram at Women Don't Do That. I would love to have you join the conversation, so make sure you join our next Instagram Live. Find all our podcast and blog content at womendontdothat.com. Join me next time.